This episode of Software Social is sponsored by NOKO. That's N-O-K-O. When you're bootstrapping on the side, every free moment counts. But do you really know how you're spending those moments? Which days you're most productive? If your product has time sinks that just don't pay? Here's one way to find out. NOKO is a time tracker designed to help you learn from the time you track. And NOKO makes it frictionless to give yourself good data, too. You can even log time directly from your GitHub commit messages. Try NOKO. That's N-O-K-O today and save 15% off every plan forever. Visit nokotime.com slash socialpod to start making your time work for you. Michelle, it's so good to talk to you. Pauline! So I have been following some of the things you've been tweeting about recently, and I saw that you did a product hunt launch for the book. Yeah. Uh, Tell us about that. That was quite a roller coaster. <laughs> yeah? I am fascinated. I want to hear all about it. <laughs> so, um, gosh, I don't even I don't even know where to start because it was it, it was kind of um, it was kind of a spur of a moment thing. Like I've been planning to do a product hunt launch for a long time, but I didn't really know exactly when. And I think we, so we've talked about how um, my like original deadline for the book was uh, before I started Danish language classes. Right. I feel like we I don't right. know. if I Yeah. OK. Yep. So I actually started them last Monday. So, you know, even though like when I finished my MBA, I was like, I am done with school forever, like never again. And, you know, here I am again. Um, so I started Monday of this week. And so the 20th, I was like, I, so I was starting, you know, the, in a couple of days. And I was like, you know what? I just need to do this now. I want to get this launch done before I'm like thinking about school again because I'm not going to have as much time. So that's basically like why I did it on, on, on Friday morning. Now, apparently when you launch on Product Hunt, you're supposed to get someone like well-known to basically hunt the product for you and submit it for you. And then it, I guess it notifies all of that person's followers um, and then it helps with your ranking and stuff like that. I did not do that. Um, I just submitted it myself. Um Wait. Okay. Pause. 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 Okay. So let's back up a little bit. So you were on Friday morning. You woke up and you're like, I should put the book on product hunt today. Is that like what happened? No. Um, no, I needed to send out a newsletter that morning because I had I had something I wanted to send out. And I was like, you know, what? why don't I just throw it up on product hunt? Like, let's just get that over with and do it. And like, so like, I just like wrote up a post. I took a couple of screenshots of like the book and the table of contents and like, I like put it up like apparently people hire like consultants and pay them like thousands of dollars to try to get a good ranking on on product hunt and they spend all this time recruiting someone to hunt it for them and like there's this whole like product launch product hunt launch strategy that I was completely oblivious to. So yeah, I've heard that that it's a whole that if if you, there's like so many articles about how to properly do product hunt and there's consultants. Yes, okay. So tell us what you did. Yeah, I guess it didn't. I, I don't know. I it didn't occur to me to to research it first because I I don't know. I just didn't. So I just threw it up there, and then I sent it out okay. to the newsletter and was like, hey, like you know, 
product on today. And so it was like going pretty well. Like I sent it out like first thing in the morning, European time. Um, and by like lunchtime or so here, it had like 30 or 40 upvotes, which was like way more than most of the other products on the homepage. And I started being like, and like people started being like, I can't find your product. Like I searched for it. It doesn't show up. Like it's not on the homepage. Like, uh, like you should, you should like reach out to them or something. Cause something is wrong. And then so somebody on Twitter jumped in and they're like, oh, they shadow ban info products because there's so many of them that they shadow ban them by default if you're submitting it and you're you're not like a, you know, a sort of name brand person submitting it. What does shadow ban mean? Oh, so uh, shadow banning is when you post it and it looks normal to you and you can send people the link, but it doesn't show up on the homepage and it doesn't show up in search. Oh, wow. So basically, you don't know you're banned from the homepage. So, That's so weird. But I guess there's the like way. so many. That, uh, currently, the logic is that there's so many info products that like they basically want to cut down on the number of them going to the front page of, of Product Hunt. So and then okay. I kind of like started tweeting about this and I'm not really sure what happened. But I like reached out to their support on their website and on Twitter. And then I think some other people also back channeled it to community people at Product Hunt. And then yeah. it was on the, the the front page. Like it just nice. appeared at number four. And it was like, oh, this is kind of fun. Like we went from being like completely invisible and thinking this was a huge waste of time to like now it's ranked number four. That's pretty amazing. And I just woke up and did this this morning. Like this is fun. Um, that's awesome. And then it kind of just kept going. <laughs> yeah, um, that's wonderful. Yeah, yeah, and I was actually I was getting like last minute like, uh, you know, sort of like play by play advice from Arvid Call in my DMs of like, okay, like here's what you do, like make sure you reply to everybody, <laughs> like you know all this stuff. And I was like, okay, okay, okay. Like I was like such like totally green at this. Um. And uh, yeah, it was it was wild. And then it ended up going up to to number one. And oh, that's like, so exciting! Staying there. And I just checked it. Okay. And it had five hundred and twelve upvotes. That's amazing! Just wild. Congratulations! It was super wild. I've never really done a like a product hunt launch. Like we, I mean, we didn't launch Geocodio on Product Hunt. Like we actually launched before Product Hunt had their Show HN launch, which when Geocodio launched, a Show HN launch was like what a Product Hunt launch is now, I guess. Yeah. It was so funny. I remember coming across it in our referrers for Geocodio and I was like, what is this Product Hunt thing? And like signed up. Um, So yeah, anyway, so that was was pretty crazy. Um, That's... (laughs) Really cool. <laughs> yeah, it was – I mean, the whole thing about it, like, not showing up and, like, what was wrong and, like, all of these people kind of, like, rallying around it, too, and, like, so many people tweeting out the the post and commenting and, like, uh, I just felt like I was collectively being lifted up by people all over the world simultaneously, and it was – Oh, my uh, gosh, I love that. It was, pretty, it was pretty surreal. It was, it was, it was pretty that- surreal. It's awesome. Um, so yeah. have you seen the product hunt success um, 
increase the number of sales of the book? Yeah. So I actually, I did get a little bit of a nice little bump out of it. So um, I learned later that the the benefit of, of being uh, number one on Product Hunt is not only are you number one that day, but you're also number one in the newsletter. And so you get okay. another bump after that. Okay, um, cool. And so if I just pull up the numbers really quick. So the the total have sold 344 individual copies, which excludes um, a bulk portfolio-wide purchase that a fund made. So okay. So it's been 180 on Amazon, 160 PDF copies total, including the pre-order, and then four um, audiobook only pre-sale copies. So 344 total. And so of all of that, so 23 of those PDF copies are from since the product hunt launch. And then okay. 59 print copies since the product hunt launch. Wow. Yeah. So it was a pretty good bump. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. So how are you feeling about the whole thing? I'm feeling good. Like I'm starting to come across like podcasts yeah. of people talking about it or blog posts they wrote about it or people tweeting out like I'm reading the book. I'm ready to do a practice interview. Like who wants to pair up with me? Like all that kind of stuff um that just that just gives me warm fuzzies when when I come across that kind of thing and I love um, it like for so many years I you know I tried to write blog posts and most of the time they would just like land with a thud like there was a couple that did okay but most of the time I would like I would fuss over them and have friends edit them and then they would just go nowhere. And so yeah. it's still like kind of bewildering and surreal to have people like be excited about something that I wrote because I'm so used to it. <laughs> just like being nothing. Um, so all of this is just just really delightfully surreal. Oh, I love that. Do you think it's better you didn't actually know you were doing Product Hunt wrong because <laughs> you would have not launched it if you had realized how some people do it? I mean, I think it might have been sort of intimidating um, to yeah, know it like that it it's like, oh, like, shoot, like people hire consultants for this and like there's, they're like producing videos for it. Like they have like this whole like strategy around it, like, um. But I think it also goes to show, like, you know, I mean, the the real power of building in public or writing in public. And, you yes. know, like the people in the community were were part of this from the very beginning. And, you know, so, no, I, I did not pay a consultant $2,500 to get to the top of Product Hunt. Like, the book got there because everyone's been a part of this process. Um, and contributing to it from the very beginning. Um, it was on the strength of community. Um, oh, I love and, that. Uh, it's, it's pretty, it's, it's funny. I've had people like DM me now, be like, oh, like, what's your advice for getting to the top of product hunt? And I'm like, dude, don't ask me. <laughs> like, like, <laughs> I, like, dude, like, don't do what I did. Like, that was apparently wrong. <laughs> 
Um, yeah, I mean, I'm sure there's people who have written guides about this and everything. Oh, yeah. They're all over the internet. I... Like someone recommended <laughs> Product Hunt to me once. And I was like, oh, okay. And I don't use Product Hunt. Like, I don't even think I'm on it. And so I Googled it and it was like, oh my gosh, there's so much information. How to do a product hunt. It needs to be Tuesday at 4 p.m. because that is the optimal time. Like it was a whole thing. And I was like, eh. so this is so wonderful that it's worked out for you. And I also saw you are going to start your private podcast. Oh, yeah. Uh, the first yeah. chapter already went out. Yeah, awesome. I think I'm gonna roll them up. Like, so I was kind of trying to like a couple weeks ago. We were talking like, should we do one chapter a week or like do like two different drops a week because there's fifty odd chapters in the book. And so if we did that. Then it would take a whole year to get through <laughs> yeah, the entire book, yeah. which seems very it's a long time. It seems very long. So it seems excessively. So long. this week I dropped the the title and the. Chapter one as two separate episodes on the same day. But I think for next week, what I'm going to do is I've rolled up several chapters and basically I'll drop, do one like episode a week that is multiple chapters with a goal of that episode being 15 to like 25 minutes. Um, so it might be like chapters two, three, four, and then the next one might be chapter five and six, depending on how long those chapters are, because some of the chapters are pretty short. So yeah, that makes sense. And try to make it like normal, normal podcast length, but more on like walk the dog a little bit longer length rather than run three miles length if you run at my speed, uh, which is <laughs> yeah, not fast. Depending on speed. <laughs> Yeah. So, uh, yeah. Uh, so yeah, I think I'm going to do that. So then it'll go a bit faster. Um, but I don't want, I mean, I don't want to like drag the whole thing and I I already recorded like 18 chapters, I think. Um, Oh, wow. Yeah. So I'm going to do another recording day in a couple couple weeks maybe next week maybe i should do another one i i like surrounded my desk in pillows and like put a blanket Pil- i was gonna ask on my the yeah thing? i totally did a pillow for it the npr pillow for it yeah um of yeah. like just surrounding my desk in pillows to improve the sound quality and yeah putting a blanket over my desk um so so because yeah, i feel like it should you know it should it should sound good i don't want it to sound uh you know, homegrown and, or, yeah. you know, you know, like I want it to sound good and like people should pay for it. Yeah. So. Yeah, totally. That makes sense. Yeah. It's. Well, yeah. that's really exciting. Um, You've had a really exciting couple weeks. <laughs> I haven't talked to you yes. in a couple of weeks and you have been doing seriously exciting mm-hmm. as we talked about a couple of weeks ago. So you are now my cool kid friend yeah. who moved to California and joined a startup. Um, I totally am. (laughs) (laughs) It was crazy. I can't even tell you like everything just went crazy. Um, but it is super exciting. And I think something that has not been well communicated is we are basically being funded because we are being paid to me really to build out this product. And so, and we get to keep the IP. So this is really exciting for me. Um, I can't think of what else I would rather do with my life besides, you know, normal life stuff with do with my career, then build a business with people I like. 
Like that's my whole life goal right there. That sounds amazing. It is. Yeah. So I'm super pumped. It is a lot of stuff, of new stuff, but it's a really cool opportunity. The guys that I'm partnering with are great. I've known them for years and I finally get co-founders, which I'm super happy about because doing it alone is lonely. So I feel like we should back up and ask some very (laughs) basic questions. So, so a couple of months ago, you took a job. I did. Do you, do you still have that job? I do not. Okay. So this is what we were talking about in decisions, decisions was, (laughs) should you, so you have, you have that, that had that job and then should you continue doing simple file upload and then how does this whole Hammerstone thing fit into it? And one of those options there we did not talk about was like quit the full-time job and like go whole hog and jump in headfirst on Hammerstone. Um, so let's like, yeah. Yes. <laughs> so it was, I mean, I, just everything went a little bit crazy. I announced that I took that job and maybe part of this is building in public or part of this is just the market right now. And I am not kidding you. Within a week, I had three other people offering me jobs. Like they were like, oh, I didn't know you were taking a job. So everything got a little crazy. Um, when I took that job, I had every intention of being with that company for years. It was a great company. I love the people. I love their mission. But this opportunity came up to do really exciting work as part of this startup. And I had to choose because there was no way this startup stuff is full time. I mean, there's no way I could do both. So I unfortunately had to quit the job I had for what, a month, maybe two months and go all in with the startup. So it's very exciting, but it was a lot of stuff. Yeah. I mean, that must have been so much to go through in such a short amount of time and then you I mean you're a very you're you're a very reliable person who can be taken at their word and sticks to it and yeah for you to walk away from something after a month I mean I imagine that was very difficult for you and also that shows just how excited you are about Hammerstone. Yeah. And I think it was really hard. It was a really hard conversation to have with my boss who was super amazing and gracious, but it was just an opportunity. I I couldn't turn down. It was so, I mean, and it's high risk, high reward, right? Like this could burn out and I could just be back in regular consulting land. But you know, when you're basically offered to be funded for something but like, I, I don't know. That's literally what I want to do. So I couldn't turn it down. Yes, it was really hard, Michelle, because I think, especially with what I do, like my business is built on relationships and my reputation is the most important thing I have in this business as a software developer. And so I absolutely need to be very careful of that and how I handle these kinds of situations. And so that's why it was so hard to make this decision, but ultimately the opportunities with Hammerstone are just, the, and the problem space is really exciting. From a developer perspective, like the problem space we're working on, it's really cool. It's just really intellectually intriguing. So that coupled with like the equity, it was, yeah. I mean, it was hard decision, but I think I made the right one. If I'm crying on the podcast in six months, it means I didn't. 
Just kidding. That was a joke. <laughs> I made a terrible mistake. I don't know if I made a mistake or not, but I got to go all in. Like I'm in a position where I can go all in because, you know, we have health, really because we have health coverage through my spouse's job. So man, it was tough though. Cause I took the full-time job with every plan to stay there for years. And this opportunity came up and it was just like, I cannot, this is literally what I want to do is build businesses with my friends, period. Yeah. So, yeah. So there's two things I want to dive into there. The first is yeah, like what's so exciting about it and um, what Hammerstone like does and what you're going to be doing for it. Mm-hmm. And then the second one, and I think I want to start there, is is the funding side just to sort of uh, sort of distill that a little bit. So if I understand correctly, so there's the Hammerstone team, which is you, Aaron, right. and Sean, right? Correct. Cool. And then Hammerstone has a client that themselves has a client, then that that second level client is paying your client for Hammerstone to build their thing into client number one's app. And then you get to keep the IP from that. Is that right? <laughs> that's, that's that's kind of right. Yeah, that's kind of right. So basically, okay. <laughs> I don't know if I, I I follow that fully, but okay. So I think, yeah. So basically we have a, a client that's a pretty big client and then there's a middle layer and then there's. Well, really, there's the client, then there's Hammerstone, then there's me. So we're still, we were separated as three layers. And so now I'm joining Hammerstone. So it's actually, there's one less layer in there. So it's just, it's just the client to Hammerstone. And so the client has agreed to basically fund the development of this piece of software. The software is a query builder. And that sounds so unexciting. Like when I say query builder, people are like, I don't get the big deal. But the nuance and like the power of what we're doing with this query builder is really cool. Um, It's just, it's such a constant problem. Like everyone I have ever worked for, basic smart queries are really tough. You're usually putting scopes on the model and you're trying to chain those scopes together. Oh, here they want this, here they want this. So we're basically trying to extrapolate all of that away, pull all of that out of your model and allow you to define these queries in a filter. And we're going to provide both the front end and the back end interface. And it's, I mean, again, we need to work on messaging because no one is excited when I tell them what it is. But once you see it in practice, you're like, oh, this is amazing. So that's kind of the product. Can we back up for a hot second? And <laughs> yeah. I want you to assume that I don't know anything about web development. Colleen. Okay. Yeah. What's a query builder? So Michelle, what is your favorite online shop store to buy clothes or shoes or whatever you're into? Uh, J Crew. Okay. So if you want to go to the J Crew website and you want a V-neck sweater in orange, in stock, in your size, available at your store. That's a tall order. That's a query. Okay. Right? I mean, <laughs> that's a and a lot of places okay. can't. That's it's a like query. a search query. So, which is funny. 
Yes, which is funny because that's how I described it to my husband. I was like, show me the Nike website and let me show you how we're going to make Nike better because that's his favorite shop. Got it. Okay. Um, so, you know, traditional, I don't want to get too- So it's like a search? Know, so just, are you like competing with like, like Algolia or- So it's actually no, because we're, it's actually how you build up. So we actually build up the SQL. So you'd still use, like you could still use, like this client is using Postgres Timescale DB. So you could still use a different service for, uh, for your database, but we're actually building up this performance SQL in, so it's at the model layer, but it extrapolates the, the querying, the scoping, we call it scoping in Rails. I don't know what people call it in other languages, out of the model so it like extrapolates all of that away so it but it, it builds it the cool thing is like it provides both the front end component and the back end component so ideally it will be a drop in piece of software but you as a developer like okay so i have a client they do real estate right and so they have this huge problem with search because people want this super specific things that they want to search and this is a constant problem uh, tuning these searches to be exactly what people want to find. But for example, they don't want you to be able to search based on, I don't know, like what, on who the agent is, let's say that's just an example. So this query builder is actually a drop in software component that I can put in the app, but I, as the developer, when I integrate it can also say, do not let them search by listing agent, only allow them to search by this, this, and this. So it gives, it's just really powerful and um, where it really shines is like in relationship building, because that is always a problem, right? When you have to reach through all these tables. And then if you have these huge SQL tables, like trying to join these tables is a problem. So we're trying to fix all those problems. It's a really interesting problem space for me because our client is like big data and not, I haven't worked with like super billions and billions of records. So I haven't worked with that kind of big data before. So it's going to be really exciting. You're really excited about this. I know this is like, honestly, this is what it came down to with I'm like jabber jabber about SQL. But I think when it came down to making this decision, which was super hard because my job was so wonderful, it came down to, this is literally what's going to, what's hap- what happened. So the Hammerstone guys were going to hire someone to take over for me. And then I just couldn't let it go. I was like, <laughs> oh, well, can I, like, I just, cause the, to me, the problem space is fascinating. They were like, they were going to hire someone and they're like, well, you know, you could mentor him or whatever. And I was like, yeah. And then we should redesign it to do this and we should redesign it to do this. And I just wouldn't let it go. <laughs> and I think to me, that was a indication that the problem space was so fascinating for me. And I just really, really want to solve the problem. You know, when you get a problem in your head like that and you're like, this is amazing. I must spend. Well, yeah, of course you do. You wrote a book in five months. <laughs> This is like, I'm speaking Michelle right yeah, now. Yeah, I know a little bit about what it is like to... <laughs> to become obsessed with something? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so it's a huge change. Um, who knows if I made the right decision, but I made the decision that that I think is the right decision. I guess that's all that matters. But it's been a, it's been a roller coaster of what, a couple, three weeks here. Um, so yeah. So what does this mean for a simple file upload? So Simplify Upload is still rocking and rolling. I think, so although, I, I, you know, I'm working full-time for these new guys, but it's going to be kind of the same deal, deal where full-time is 32 hours per week. So I should still have that extra day per week to work on Simplify Upload. And I'll be honest, like now that I'm settled, I I feel like a lot of energy 
for simple file upload. Like I feel I actually wrote a piece of content finally. Oh. Didn't take that long. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> but um, I feel good about it. It's still not going to be super fast, but I feel good about putting energy into it and putting time into it and making it, you know, keeping it where it was going to be, which was, you know, eight to 10 hours a week. Do you feel less pressure with simple file upload now? Yeah, I do. I think, I mean, if I had, not that I would want to pick one to succeed, but I am super pumped to have co-founders. I mean, I'm super pumped. The Hammerstone team is so great because I'm going to do the rail stuff. Aaron is like a Laravel, Laravel, Laravel? Yeah, um, superstar, right? Yeah, he has he's his like torchlight really... stuff. People are like super yeah, pumped about all. Is that his part stuff. of Hammerstone? Yes. Okay. Okay, I thought, but yeah. Okay. Yeah. So he, so he's kind of you know doing great things in the Laravel world. He did Torchlight, and he's trying to do some other things just to get our reputation out there as like a company that makes really quality software components. And then we have Sean, who's our front end guy, and Sean also has. A, a lot more experience from a marketing and success standpoint, if you will, because Sean in the past has had a product that has been his only, you know, has supported his family. And so he's been there. So he can actually see past that, which is really an interesting perspective. Aaron and I as relatively, you know, we both have mildly successful products, but like we're both kind of new to this. And so we're approaching it in different ways. So Sean is like, yeah, sure. I think we can get to, you know, 200K or whatever. How do you get past your network? And Aaron and I don't can't, have never gotten to 200K with a product. So we can't even conceptualize that, right? So I think we're going to be a really good team. You know, I feel like what I'm hearing is like you sound really fulfilled by this Hammerstone work. And I think. For, for a long time, simple file upload came out of that desire to be fulfilled where client work was like paying the bills, but not necessarily super soul nourishing for you. And then yeah. you took the job and it was, you know, it was you had all intentions of staying there and making that work and, and, and everything else. But it did not feel like a calling for you. Um, which, you know, for the vast majority of people, their day job is not their calling or something that's fulfilling and that's perfectly fine. Um, but I feel, and, and, and then it shifted that, that simple file upload was then like your source of like personal fulfillment. But I feel like now I'm hearing you sound super fulfilled by the Hammerstone work. And that kind of takes some of the financial and emotional pressure off of the work that you do with simple file upload. Yeah, I think that's an accurate assessment. I think, yeah, simple file upload definitely fulfilled that need when I was working clients. Um, yeah, I think, I think you're right. Like it's really exciting to see where this is going to go and I'm super pumped. Because yeah, we don't do side projects just for the money, right? Like, you know, so, uh, very often oh, they, totally come out of that like it's certainly you know I've talked a lot about how Geocodio certainly did um but then we've also talked about how you know the book for me was like you know it was not for money and it was not because it was a good decision with my time it was because I enjoyed it 
um, and, yeah. and I needed it myself. And I, th- I think sometimes that's a really good space for side projects to be in where sometimes you just need an outlet for fun. And gosh, I guess given this last year when you're stuck in your house and you can't really go do a lot of fun outside your house, like, you know, side projects can fill that need, you know, in the same way that we talk about, you know, when you're interviewing someone looking for the the functional purpose of why they bought something, but then also the emotional and social purposes and and I guess I you know and for me coming off of everything with with product hunt and all of that community support like I'm really thinking about those social and emotional components of launching things and I hear you talk about Hammerstone and I hear that fulfillment and I think you have said maybe three times in the last half hour how excited you are to finally have co-founders like that loneliness and struggle and having to figure everything out on your own has been a a running theme for you with simplify upload yes so i've basically figured out the rest of my life because i'm now i'm wise so (laughs) i'm gonna tell you (laughs) by my life i mean your life too okay so you're absolutely right like I, i kind of came to this realization so this was a hard decision like agonizing actually. And when it came down to it, when you're financially stable enough that you can make these kinds of decisions, as I I think I said earlier, running a business with my friends, literally, if I could do that the rest of my career, I'm in. So I think I've mentioned before that when we started this podcast, I said, Michelle's going to write a book and I'm going to launch a product. And you were like, no, 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 it's never going to happen. Okay. So now you've written Was there actually like a clip of that? Like, do we have a recording of that somewhere? Uh, Or is that just like the two of us talking about it and like... I don't know. (laughs) I I know, like, I would love to go back. I've actually started listening to some of our, all of our podcasts, which is amazing, by the way, to (laughs) kind of go back and listen to them, but I haven't come across it yet. But so... Hammerstone is hopefully going to make me a ton of money. It's going to be super fun. We'll do it for five years-ish. And then you and I are going to start a business where we help people, women specifically, start their own businesses. Ooh. Yeah. So you and I are definitely going to start a business someday. It's like five to 10 years in the future. And it's going to be an altruistic business. And we're going to figure that out. But that is my life plan for us. You're welcome for my life plan. <laughs> you know, I feel like I'm here for I, you, Michelle. I, I feel like you like you like kind of dropped the idea of like software social fund like a couple of months ago, like casually. And yeah. um, you know, so something that I'm really intrigued by. So there's this guy, Nick Rimza in Maine, who runs a nonprofit called Tortoise Labs, where he teaches okay. people in rural Maine how to have an online business and it's a nonprofit and these people are like making real money real jobs like huge impact in their own lives um actually I've been meaning to have a phone call with him hi Nick um so (laughs) (laughs) I mean that's that's kind of the thing I feel like I think about I don't think I would limit it to just women um no, but like it doesn't have to be just. I think that's people, my yeah, yeah, thing. but um, yeah. but I, I love that of like doing a, an incubator as a yeah. like a nonprofit or a like 
some some sort of public benefit instead. But but then of course then you have yeah, to deal no. with like donor fundraising and you still have to deal with Don't investors. It's just donors and like this is this is not happening anytime soon because I do not have the bandwidth. <laughs> do not to send think us about this. Yeah, there's <laughs> We are not doing Please this for like 10 years. Um, also, <laughs> don't tempt us uh, and send us offers to fund it either. Just like, just not, just no applications. And then just like, just, just forget we. <laughs> but, okay. I just wanted to get that on record because I see that as our future. Like, that's what You're I apparently very good at predicting the future. So, like, you saying. should go buy I'm some stocks and bet on some sports <laughs> games and. <laughs> Heck yeah. Sure should. <laughs> So anyway, well, that's a five. We're going to wrap up today with the conclusion that Colleen is apparently Nostradamus and um, and things are things are th- things are happening in a way that I feel like all of it, you know, they, they say that there's times when nothing happens and then there's times when everything happens. And I feel like both of us are in this time where everything happens, like in the past month. I have launched a book and it is number one on Product Hunt and you have actually taken one job and quit it and then taken another job that you are super pumped about. Um, Everything is happening. And who knows what's going to happen in the future. Huge thanks to all of our listeners who've become software socialites and support our show. Chris from Chipper CI, the daringly handsome Kevin Griffin, and Mike from Gently Used Domains, who has a nice personality. Dave from Recut, Max of Online or Not, Stefan from Talk to Stefan, Brendan Andrade of Bright Bits, Team Tuple, Alex Hillman from the Tiny MBA, Rami from Hovercode and Rocket Gems, Jane and Benedict from UserList, Kendall Morgan, Ruben Gomez of Signwell, Corey Haynes of Swipewell, Mike Wade of Crowd Sentry, Nate Ritter of Roomsteals, Anna Mast of SubscribeSense, Jeff Roberts from Outseta, Justin Jackson, MegaMaker, Jack Ellis and Paul Jarvis from Fathom Analytics, Matthew from Appointment Reminder, Andrew Culver at Bullet Train, John Coster, Alex of Corso Systems, Richard from Stunning, Josh the Annoyingly Pragmatic Founder, Ben from Consent Kit, John from Credo and Editor Ninja, Cam Sloan, Michael Copper of Nusi Proposals, Chris from URL Box, Callie of Toslet, Greg Park from Trait Lab, Adam from Rails Autoscale, Lana and Alex from Recapsi, Joe Mazzalotti of RailsDevs.com, Proud Mama from Applenet LLC, Anna from Cradle, Monsef from Ruby on Mac, Steve of Be Inclusive, Simon Bennett of Snapshooter Backups, Josh Smith of Keyhero.io, Jesper Christensen of Form Backend, Matthew of Works Cited, Chris of JetBoost.io, Daryl Shannon of Docomatic, Larabels, a community for Larabelle developers underrepresented due to their gender, Brendan from Feederloop, Pascal from Sharpen.page, Lynn Romick from Convini, Arvid Call, James Sowers from Castaway.fm, Jessica Malnick, Damian Moore of Audio Audit Podcast Checker, Eldon from Nodal Studios, Mitchell Davis from RecruitKit.